All right. Now what we do need, the word of the Lord. So let's open our Bibles and let's continue to look at the Lord's Prayer as we walk through uh, what the Lord would would teach us uh, in this prayer. And and we're looking now at uh, the, the prayer, Thy kingdom come, that this request of the Lord, Thy kingdom come. We're, we're asking, why would we do that? We've seen the revolutionary nature of that prayer, that this is not a, a, a prayer that, that we naturally pray. Uh, and so if, if we're going to be saying your kingdom come, it's only going to happen when God has caused revolution in our hearts. Uh, and so now we're asking, why are we praying this? What's so great about the kingdom of God? What's so great about the kingdom of heaven? What's so great about the kingdom? Uh, why, why would we pray and why does Christ want us to pray your kingdom Come. Yet that's exactly what Jesus tells us to pray. So let's stand in the honor of reading God's word. Let's read Christ's instruction again on how to pray. Uh, and then we'll, we'll walk through uh, this, uh, uh, your kingdom come. Jesus talking to them tells them, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us pray. Father, teach us to pray as Christ taught us to pray. And he taught us to pray that your kingdom, the kingdom of our heavenly father would come. And so that is what we ask you today. And even as we ask it, we pray, Father, that you would help us to understand even the thing that we're asking for. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. So uh, for the last couple of weeks, again, we've been looking at what is so great about the, the kingdom. Why are we praying for God's kingdom to come? And we've spent, we spent three weeks looking at the, the first reason that, that we want the kingdom to come is because of, uh, of who is bringing the kingdom. Uh, we looked at the king. The one thing that we want, one of the reasons we want the kingdom of God to come is because it is the kingdom of God. It is his kingdom. So we looked at uh, why God is so great as king. And we saw where the Bible specifically, so we were talking about this uh, with the kids. I was like, why would, why is God going, why is he a great king? And they started to give me all these things that were true about God. And I went, yes, all of those are true. But what specifically does the Bible say about what's great with God as king specifically. And so we could have gone through, we could have spent the rest of our lives really talking about why God is such a great king. Uh, we could have looked at all of his attributes and how all of those attributes uh, influence all of creation and influence our lives. But what, what did we see the Bible describe God as, a, as such a great king? And the first one was that the Bible calls him the great king. That he is a king uh, who protects his people, who guides his people. He's a, he is a king who defends his holy name. He is, a, he is a king who is creator. In other words, really all of the things that the kings of this world want to be, God truly is. We then saw that he is a great king because of his righteous love and his holy hatred. That he is a great king, the Bible says, because of his might. Remember, it says he is robed in majesty and, and that it is his belt of strength that, that holds that uh, robe up and also upholds his word as well. And we saw that he is the king of glory. And then finally, the reason we want 
that this kingdom to come is because it is the kingdom of our heavenly father. We, we realized we don't want to step outside of the prayer. Look at all these other reasons in scripture. We want uh, his kingdom to come because he is our heavenly father. So that's the who of the kingdom. That's when, remember, there are three ways that the, the New Testament talks about the kingdom of God. One is just the kingdom. Uh, the other is the kingdom of God. So that's focusing on the kingdom of God. Next, we're going to focus not on the who of the kingdom. We're going to focus on the what, the, that it is the kingdom of heaven, that it is, this is the, this is a description of, of what the kingdom is going to be like. Why, why do we want the kingdom to come? Not just because God's bringing it, but because of what the kingdom is going to be like. Um, the, the Bible says one of the reasons we as God's people are longing for this kingdom is because there's never been a kingdom like this on the earth, that it is going to be heaven on earth, that everything that we would have wanted could have imagined that any kingdom could have been, that is what the kingdom will be. Now, we've, we've seen glimpses of this already uh, when we walk through First and Second Peter which seems like not that long ago and yet also a long time ago. Uh, remember in Second Peter, where Second Peter tells us in chapter 3, verse 13, it talks about the new heavens and the new earth where righteousness dwells. So we talked a little bit about the kingdom then and about what's going to happen in these new heavens and these new, this new earth. And, uh, but, but where does the Bible specifically talk about the greatness of the kingdom of God. So if we're praying for his kingdom to come, again, tons of places we could look. We've got to limit it to somewhere. Let's look at where the Bible talks about what is so great, not just about the king, but about his kingdom. What is amazing about the kingdom of our God? What is God's reign going to be like? Uh, and the first thing we're going to see uh, when we pray, so what sort of kingdom are we asking for when we pray your kingdom come? The first thing we're going to see is it is a kingdom of peace, happiness, and salvation. It is a kingdom of peace, kingdom of happiness, a kingdom of salvation. We see this promised in Isaiah 52. This great passage here, Isaiah 52, beginning in verse 7, it says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. So so God is reigning and what is his reign going to be? Your God reigns and this is what he's bringing with him. What is he bringing with him? He He is this source of what does it say? Peace, of happiness, of salvation. I mean, what, what literal joy in the midst of a fallen world that we, that we as Christians in this kingdom, in the kingdom of God, have peace and have happiness. I mean, people in this world, people in this world have no peace, no peace in their life. I mean, think about, think about how chaos is such a part of their life that they somehow figured out how to make chaos the one who made the world. I mean, they're so used to chaos being what defines everything that they're like, who made us? Gotta be chaos because he seems to be making everything in my life, you know? In the end, they, they, where, where they can have a big bang that starts it all. Why? Why do they have that? 
because bangs and explosions are the framework for every day of their life. They have blow-ups all the time in every relationship, in every situation. It's not crazy to think that a blow-up might have maybe made everything. For us as Christians, to be able to have peace in the midst of a world of chaos, where people worship chaos, where they, where they act as if chaos is what drives their life, for us to have peace is a great blessing. But not just peace. He brings peace, but what else does he bring? The reign of God, it brings happiness. So for us as Christians to not only have peace in our lives, because it could be, I mean, think about it. It could be that we have a glum peace, right? Where we're like, I am, I am at peace with the fact that my life is going to be so horrible. I'm at peace with that. I mean, there could be, that could be an outcome. And the Lord has given you peace. What sort of peace? Peace that, passes any of my understanding because my days are really horrible Uh, but instead his reign brings not only peace but happiness again something the world does not know and it frustrates them when we tell them that when I tell the people at the abortion mill and the death squirts there and I'm like you are not happy and they're they're always one they hate men Two, they hate white men specifically. Uh, And so they're like, another white man trying to explain to me how I'm not happy. And I always tell them, I'm not explaining it to you. I'm reading the Bible to you. I'm telling you that God says you're not happy. And if you you feel like you're happy, you're in danger. Uh, Because there's nothing, you have no foundation for happiness in your life. Murder, and they they dance. They turn on music and they dance while they bring the babies in, uh, which is just, it's like like a pagan sort of, I feel like it's like a little mini Babylon. Uh, and, And I'm pretty sure demons are involved. Yeah. But anyway, to be able to tell them that, that as Christians, not only are we at peace, but that we are happy. Uh, an emotion that they, they cannot even understand. That God's kingdom has brought into our lives, not just peace that the world needs to see, but also a happiness. I mean, the, and the Christian, the world needs to see our happiness. If we are in the kingdom, God's reign has brought us happiness. And that happiness should be clearly seen in our lives. The, 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 the stoic Christian uh, who's like, I'm just, I'm just getting through and they're going to know that God is great. Why? Because no matter what happens, I, I just do this. I mean, the, the, the stoic Christian is actually more born from, from society than it is from scripture. Because if you want to know what is, what does the Christian man look like in scripture? The Christian man who understands the reign of God, it is not a Christian man who just, who just goes straight faith. This is not this, this, this is, this is, we can blame the British for this. It is not us just having a, you know, a stiff upper lip and, and getting through life. And, and that's the manly thing. Look at how the Bible describes how the men of God respond in happiness to the reign of God. Look at the very next verses. So Isaiah 52 verse 7, we saw he, God is reigning and he's bringing with it news of happiness. Look at, look at what the warriors of God's kingdom do. Look at how they respond to this kingdom. Beginning in verse 8. The voice of your watchmen. What do they do? They lift up their voice. Together they sing for joy. For eye to eye they see 
the return of the Lord to Zion. Break forth together into singing, you waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. The Christian life should be one so filled with joy. I mean, when you're looking at this, it's the Christian life as described in Isaiah 52 here, looks more like a musical than a crime drama, right? And that's what the life should be like. These warriors, what do they do? These warriors break into a song when they see the coming of the Lord. When they hear that their God is reigning and his kingdom is here, what do they do? Not once, but twice. They break into song. They call the rest of the nation to break into song. I mean, these are not effeminate men who are, who are singing. The most masculine men in God's army singing with joy for their enemies to hear. And as Christians, your life needs to sing your happiness. And I, and I don't just mean mentally. I don't just mean like on the inside, I'm really happy. That's not what these, these watchmen didn't go up there and they broke forth into internal song. Uh, and they were like, this is really great. And in their head, they're like, la da da, you know, God reigns. I don't I mean, I don't know how the Jewish songs would have gone. It'd have been like, da 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 da. I'm sure something like that. Uh, they broke forth into song. This piece And this happiness is what the world needs to see from Christians because the kingdom has come. Because this is what the kingdom brings. If you are in the kingdom of God, if God reigns, then what that should have brought to you and should be bringing to you continually is peace and happiness. And the world needs to see that from us. The world needs to see, as it says here in verse 8, or I'm sorry, verse 9, The world needs to see that even in the wasteland, the Christian isn't just at peace. Even in the wasteland, he says, the Christian can sing with joy. Not just thinking for joy, singing for joy, that we would be so happy that we break forth into song. And I'm I'm not going to go into about how the world has so reshaped masculinity, biblical masculinity, that we've somehow made singing feminine. Uh, And the impact that that has had on the Christian family, the Christian home, the Christian church. One of the most subtle attacks on biblical manhood that Satan can do is to steal joyous songs from the lip of the warriors of the king from the lips of the men of the kingdom. I mean, that, there's, there's nothing great, there are few things greater that he could do. And so the world needs to see that. The world needs to see us responding, like Isaiah 52 says, we should respond because this kingdom is so great. This kingdom, if we are in it, brings us peace and it brings us happiness so that we break forth into song. We are so filled with joy. Christian, if you do, if you cannot, if you do not have enough joy about what the Lord has done for you, that you sing about it, 
there's something wrong with your understanding of the kingdom or your level of happiness. The peace of God that we have in the kingdom of God should bring us so much happiness that like these warriors, we break forth into song. And not only do we break forth, we call others as as Paul's going to say, we are addressing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Our joy, our happiness should be at that at that level. And the world needs to see these things. The world needs to see the the jovial feasting of the Christian world even as they rage against us. I mean, think about it. Isn't that, isn't that what the Lord does? Don't, don't, don't they need to see, even as they rage against us, that what do they find us doing? We are happy and we're still at peace. So we're not even just still at peace, right? Because what we could do is go, we're at peace, but this is really bad. Like we could, we're at peace and still happy. Isn't that how the Lord treats the world in Psalm 2? When the nations rage against the Lord, what does he do? He laughs. And when the nations rage against the church, we need them to see that there's no fear in our part. Instead, what they see from us is peace and happiness. We are citizens of a kingdom that has brought us peace and happiness, and that should cause us to, uh, to sing. But where did that peace and that happiness come from? Not only does it bring peace and happiness, it also brings, what does it say? Salvation. I mean, that's, that's the birth of that peace and that happiness is ultimately the good news of salvation that comes with this kingdom. And so the kingdom is talked about a kingdom of salvation. Yes, it brings us peace. It brings us happiness. But why does the kingdom of God bring those things? Because the kingdom of God has also brought our salvation. So you can see, you can see it here in Isaiah, Isaiah 52, where it says it publishes salvation because our God reigns, that he has redeemed Jerusalem. That's the reason that we're, that we're singing. The Lord has bared his arm and done this. He has brought the salvation uh, so that all of the world, the ends of the world are going to see it. But we see this idea also in places like Psalm 74, verse 12. Psalm 74, 12. Yet God, my king, is from of old, working salvation in the midst of the earth. God, our king, what is our king doing? What kingdom is he bringing? He is bringing a kingdom of salvation in the midst of the earth. We are at peace and we are happy because we are saved. That is the source. That is the foundation of our Happiness, And it's this coming kingdom of salvation that's spoken of in, in Zechariah 9. Zechariah 9, verse 9, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So here, Zechariah says, hey, when, when your king comes, what kingdom does he bring? He brings with him, your king comes in his righteousness and brings with him what? Salvation. Salvation. And this is, why, this is exactly why in the, in, the, in the triumphal entry, this is why Christ entered Jerusalem mounted on a donkey. He's declaring, I am the one bringing this kingdom of peace and happiness and salvation. This kingdom has come in me, Christ is proclaiming. 
And so all, all of these three are, of course, tied together. We have no peace without salvation. We have no happiness without salvation. That peace, happiness, salvation, they're all tied together and they are all tied to the kingdom. They're not just sort of amorphously tied out there. They are tied to the kingdom of our God, the kingdom of heaven. And so, yes, you want peace. What should you be praying for? Your kingdom come. You want more peace in your life? You're like, I'm not at peace. I'm discontent. I'm mad about everything. I'm frustrated. I'm not satisfied. I I don't like my marriage. I don't like my kids. I don't like my church, except the pastor. He's great. And and Chris is okay too. Uh, You know, I don't like whatever, you know, whatever your discontentment might be. And you're like, I want peace. What should I be praying? should be praying your kingdom come because when the kingdom of god comes it brings with it it brings with it peace it publishes peace if you're if you're someone who just needs more happiness if you're like i'm just not happy and we do the fake christian thing of saying i'm not happy but i do have joy which just means i've got i promise the happiness is on the inside and just no one can see it uh so we do that thing of saying well I, I mean i don't have to be i mean i'm not i'm not happy but i promise there's joy somewhere like a diamond deep down in my heart somewhere uh if you're like i just want to be happier i want people to know that i am a happy person not just because i tell them i'm happy you know not like you do when you're afraid that your spouse is and you go are you not happy did I do something wrong? You know, you don't want people to always be like that person. You want you Christians should be people that if anyone says who are happy people, we should be the first ones on the list. Now, not fake happiness, genuine happiness. Why? Because of the kingdom. So if you are like, I want to be happy. I want to be happy. And you should want to be happy. If happiness wasn't good, Christ's kingdom would not bring it. If happiness were not important, God would not say, I've got good news, I'm bringing happiness. If happiness was some trite, emotional, effeminate affection, then God would not proclaim, hey, God reigns, be happy. If you want that happiness, and you should, what should you be praying for? Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Salvation. What do you pray for? Your kingdom come. They're all tied together and they're all tied to the kingdom so that's one thing that makes the kingdom great and and we could we could talk about that one thing uh, for for a long time but what else makes the kingdom so great let's look at the next thing we're going to see coming up uh one of the things that is going to make this kingdom great you know what will it what will this kingdom be like one of the things it's going to do is it's going to mirror the king and so what did we see about the king? Uh, we just saw this in, in Zechariah. What did Zechariah say? Righteous and having salvation is he. But he's bringing salvation. That's what he's bringing. But what is he? He is righteous. Uh, so it's not surprising then that the kingdom he brings is a kingdom of righteousness. So the next great thing we're going to see about the kingdom is it is a kingdom of righteousness justice and uprightness it is a kingdom of righteousness justice and uprightness and and if you're i hope you're going to see that as i come up with these you're like you're just stealing the words from the bible that's exactly you're like why are there three and why don't they all begin with the letter a uh or whatever it's because these are all just coming straight from uh straight from the text here look at psalm 97 psalm 97 we're gonna see this description of the of the kingdom beginning in verse one The Lord reigns. 
Let the earth rejoice. Let the many coastlands be glad. Clouds and thick darkness are all around him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. So when God reigns, his kingdom is founded, his throne is founded on righteousness and justice. Righteousness meaning God will always do the right thing. Always. That's what the, the word righteous there means. That, that it's, this is why it's actually also, when you're reading your Bibles, it's also the Hebrew word for justice or, or just. Normally, when you see those two words in the Bible, it's the same Hebrew word. Just a translator has decided sometimes to translate it righteous and sometimes to translate it just or justice. It means you're gonna do, God is always going to do the right thing, the just thing. And one of the just things that he's going to do is he will judge sin. That's the meaning for the word justice there. Again, it's not the normal Hebrew word for justice. It's a, it's a, different, uh, a different word. This word means someone is going to deliver judgments. He is someone who's going to deliver judgments, decrees. This is what a judge would do. In other words, God is not going to let sin go unpunished. God will be always doing right His kingdom will be a place where he's always doing right and he is always punishing wrong. And and we're going to see it's no surprise then that that's exactly what earthly governments and earthly kingdoms are supposed to be doing as they mirror what his kingdom is is doing. But there's another arm to that reign that we mentioned there, righteousness and justice. That's 97, 1 and 2. But if you go just to the previous psalm, uh, and we had already we had already looked at this last week uh, in, in, in uh, one of the psalms coming up, uh, there's another arm to God's reign. Psalm 96, beginning in verse 10, Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. God is going to judge the people. We actually, again, we actually, we, so before we define equity in all sorts of the ways it is not biblically defined, but is culturally defined right now, um, this is not God's social justice declaration here. What is he saying with equity? Well, the same term is actually found in Psalm 45, where we looked again before it, how God loves righteousness and hates wickedness. This is the passage we were in. It says there in verse six, that God's scepter is a scepter of uprightness. Psalm 45, verse 6, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of uprightness. So, so when we're talking about the kingdom of God, what did we see when we look back at Psalm 97? His throne is established in righteousness and justice, in doing the right and punishing those who do wrong. And his scepter... As he's sitting on his throne, the scepter that he holds in his hand is uprightness. That word scepter is the same word for rod in Psalm 23. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It's that same, that's the same word there, the scepter there. So God rules. He sits on his throne, a throne founded on righteousness and justice, and he rules with a rod of uprightness. Rightness. That word uprightness also means like uh, straight, uh, cor- correct in, in, in some ways. The, the right thing to do. It'll, it's not going to, in other words, it's not going to show partiality. It's going to be straight down the middle, 
doing what's supposed to be done. That's the rod that he holds. It will always be upright. He's not going to be unfair in his, in his, in his ruling and reigning. Uh, it will, it will come because he is, he is just, but when his justice comes, it will always be an upright, uh, judgment. In other words, every judgment that God does, none of it are we going to be able to say that wasn't fair or that seems extreme or I think you should have done this. God's scepter, his rod that he executes his justice with is always going to be one of uprightness. And we actually see all three of these terms, which is originally where we got them, but I wanted to get here. It found in Psalm 9. We see righteousness, justice, and uprightness found in Psalm 9. Psalm 9, verse uh, 7 and 8. But the Lord sits enthroned forever. He has established his throne for justice. And he judges the world with righteousness. He judges the peoples with uprightness. Uh, So that's where we get the threefold aspect of this. Why did we choose righteousness, justice, and uprightness? Because that's how the the scripture defines the kingdom. These are three things of the kingdom that mirror the character of the king. That God's kingdom is not going to be different from him. He is righteous. He is just. He is upright. And his kingdom will be just like him. Which is again why he says his citizens should be just like him. Be holy as I am holy. In fact, the king, this kingdom of righteousness is actually promised with the coming Messiah. So, in, so when we're talking about the promise of Jesus to come and we're getting ready for Christmas and all the stuff that it's going to take before we get there, you know, all the holidays we have to go past before it looks weird that we hung Christmas lights. Uh, what, are, what do we get with, with Christmas here, this hope? This kingdom of righteousness is actually going to come through the Messiah. So Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So see how some of these things we've already mentioned in the king and in his kingdom. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So what kind of kingdom will this child bring? What kind of kingdom is God's zeal going to make sure comes? This is how you can know when we pray your kingdom come. This is why I say every one of these prayers in the Lord's prayer, they, it, has it, it will be answered, it is being answered, and it has been answered. One of the reasons we can know that this kingdom is going to come is because the zeal of the Lord of hosts is going to do it. And what is this child going to bring? A kingdom of justice and righteousness. A kingdom that he says in uprightness is going to encourage the good and punish the wicked. And, and like I said, that's why this is what modern kingdoms Really, all, all governments, all kingdoms are supposed to do. Romans 13, verses 3 and 4, what does it say? For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who's in authority? Should the one in authority not bear, in other words, the rod? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your 
good. This, this aspect of the kingdom of God, that God is righteous, that he is just, and that he carries a scepter of uprightness is why the wicked fear the kingdom of God. And it's why Jesus' words, the first words off of Jesus' lips in his ministry are repent. But repent, why? Why do they need to make sure that they repent? Because the kingdom of God is at hand. And you've read about what's going to come with that kingdom. Righteousness, but also justice. And he's coming with a scepter. And he will judge with uprightness. So the king, the kingdom is here. And that means the scepter has come with it. Righteousness will be honored. The wicked will find justice. It will be upright justice, but it will be coming. Uh, and so Christ is saying, repent, because that kingdom is, is here. And that would be scary for us. That should be scary. If, if Christ were to tell us, repent, for the kingdom is here, it'd be scary for us, except even us as his, as his children, because we understand, oh, I, I was not righteous. So what hope does his kingdom bring for us as well? Well, we see this in Ezekiel 37. That one of the things his kingdom does is it makes his people righteous. So one of the great things about the kingdom of God is not only does it work righteousness, not only does God declare righteousness and it bring right, when it brings righteousness, it makes his children righteous. So Ezekiel 37 verse 22, my servant David shall be king over them. Uh, and again, you're reading that and going, well, I thought David was already dead uh, because we're in Ezekiel. David, did Ezekiel not know that David was dead? Uh, no, this is talking about the true David, the, the Messiah to come, the, the true son of David. My servant David shall be king over them. They shall all have one shepherd. They shall walk in my rules and be careful to obey my statutes. So one of the, one of the blessings of the kingdom is that we'll, we will be reigned over uh, and, and our sinful nature won't just be reined in. Our, our sin, sinful nature will be killed. That's one of the great things about the kingdom of God is when he comes and his David rules over his people as Christ is ruling over us. What's he going to do? Is he shepherding us? He causes us to steal from Ezekiel 36 as well. He causes us to walk in his rules and to be careful to obey his commandments. He makes us righteous. Otherwise, the kingdom would, would not be one that we would be praying your kingdom come. Because we'd be like, I ain't righteous. I don't want the kingdom to come because I'm going to see, and we'll look at this next week, what happens for those who don't bow down to the kingdom. And I don't want to be a part of that. Well, the good thing about, about God is he brings his kingdom, is he brings righteousness in his people, even as he brings this kingdom of, uh, of righteousness. So, so God's kingdom isn't just one for, for righteous citizens. God's kingdom is one that makes its citizens righteous. Uh, and that's very important for us to remember that we want this kingdom to come. And as it comes, we know that one of the reasons we want it to come is because this kingdom is one that is making us what we could never be, were never and would never be on our own. It is making us righteous. 
So God is bringing a kingdom of peace and happiness and salvation. He's bringing one ruled by righteousness and justice and uprightness. Of course, that's a that's a kingdom that we want. It's a kingdom like none other on the earth. And we could just we could just stop there, but that's not where where Scripture stops. Because the truth is, even if there were, let's say there is there, that a kingdom like this happens, right? There's a kingdom that does what Romans 13 tells them to do. There's a kingdom that 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 follows the the leading of this king and let's say America I mean we'd have to have a big turnaround but let's say America becomes a nation like this what would be the problem with that how long would that nation last that's the question, right? And the whole time you'd be like, oh, you know, you get a new president and you'd be like, I've read about this in the scriptures. This might be a president who doesn't remember the, the, did not walk in the ways of the former president or something like that. I don't know what the American version of that would be. Uh, he did not walk in the ways of the constitution and uh, the scriptures, you know, I, but what would happen? That kingdom would pass away. And this is why people always talk about the good old days and the good old days. One thing about the good old days is they're old and they're gone. And the other thing is they probably weren't as good as we think. But another aspect of God's kingdom that we see here is what? It is a kingdom that will not pass away. One of the great things about God's kingdom is it is a kingdom that will not pass away. So we've got this kingdom of, of peace, of happiness, of salvation, a kingdom of righteousness, a kingdom of justice, a kingdom of brightness, everything that would make us say your kingdom come. But one of the other great things about this kingdom is as it comes, it comes and it doesn't go. It is here forever. The the Bible is clear that God's reign is eternal and that his kingdom will go on and on forever. Exodus chapter 15 verse 18 says the Lord will reign forever and ever. Psalm chapter 10 verse 16. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations perish from his land. I mean we could could look at 30 or 40 verses that say similar thing. I'm just showing you that tracking throughout scripture from the very beginning is the idea that God's kingdom never ends. That God's reign never stops. So the promise of an eternal an eternal kingdom is one that Christians are to rejoice in. The fact that this kingdom, this great kingdom of peace, happiness, salvation, this kingdom of righteousness, justice, of uprightness, this kingdom never stops. There's never going to be a moment where we find out that we're east of Eden again. There's never going to be that moment where everything's great. We're in the garden. We're walking with the Lord in the cool of the day. And then... That this kingdom will last forever. So Psalm 145 verse 10 through 13 tell us that this should cause us to rejoice. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power. And again, this is why if, if, if God has not so enamored you, that you can't help but speak about him and his kingdom, then you need to dig a little deeper into how great your God is and his kingdom. Because it says all of his saints will bless the Lord. They will all speak of the glory of your kingdom. How often do you speak of the glory of God's kingdom? And tell of God's power. There's the It is the kingdom of God. It is the kingdom of heaven. Both those things tied into there. To make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your salvation. 
So it says here, there's this splendor of the kingdom. We've got all these things that we're going to talk about. God's power, God's glory, his might. But what else is glorious about that kingdom? What does it say in verse 13? Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And your dominion endures throughout all generations. One of the reasons we have to praise God, one of the things that we will talk about, that we'll bless the Lord for, that we'll speak of the glory of his kingdom as we talk about his power and we're declaring to the nations, to the children of man, let me tell you how powerful my God is. Let me tell you about his kingdom that has come. One of the things we're going to be able to tell them is that it is an everlasting kingdom. God is bringing a kingdom and it is, it is one, listen, it is one of happiness. It is one of peace. It is one of salvation. It is finally a kingdom that will reign in, in righteousness and justice and uprightness. All the things that we're crying out for, all the things that everyone is saying that they want, all the things that you, you don't even have to tell people that you want, this peace and happiness, all of this stuff. And it comes from him that should be our message to the children of man that should be what we're able to talk about this is why it's so important for us to pray your kingdom come and know what we're asking for because we're asking for the kingdom to come that has been on our lips for everyone to hear about this is why this you get the same promise in revelation chapter 11 verse 17 or 15 sorry it says, then the seventh angel blew his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven. What are these voices in heaven shouting? Saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. No longer, no longer do we have to fear the nations Because the nations have become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And that reign will never end. It will be forever and ever. And the kingdom that Christ brought, the kingdom that he is consummating, is one that will never end. And we'll talk next week about why this kingdom will last forever. Uh, But this week, let's look at what we've seen about this kingdom to come just so far. What's so great about the kingdom of God? Why should we be praying, God, your kingdom come? What does scripture tell us are the reasons? Because I could ask you, why do you want the kingdom of God to come? And you can come up with all sorts of reasons. But what does the Bible say are reasons that this kingdom is so great? It is a kingdom of peace. It is a a kingdom of happiness. It is a kingdom of salvation. God's kingdom is a kingdom of righteousness. It is a kingdom that brings justice. It is a kingdom where he reigns in uprightness. It is a kingdom that will not pass away. All of those things for all of time. How could we not pray your kingdom come? Let's pray that right now. Just as we bow our heads and take time and just... All of us right now, 
Just pray that simple prayer, your kingdom come. And we know that even as you say that in your head, your kingdom come, we know that you're grabbing all of these scripture verses that you've heard today. So you know what kingdom you're asking for. You know why you want that kingdom. What's so great about that kingdom? I mean, there's no king, there's no kingdom like the kingdom of our God. I mean, there's, these are all things that we naturally long for. And these are all things that the kings of this world are, are proclaiming, uh, are, are, are either pantomiming or promising. But this is a kingdom that only God can actually bring. Let us, let us praise God again this week for the glory of our king and of his kingdom. Take a moment and ask for his kingdom to come and then just praise him that that he is able to bring a kingdom like this, a kingdom that answers all of our deepest longings because we were made for this kingdom and for our king. And even as you long for it, remember, this kingdom is yours but it is only yours and ours because of Christ, because of the work of Jesus. Otherwise, how could we get in this kingdom? How could we be citizens of this kingdom? How could we expect anything from this kingdom other than justice to fall on us? We would deserve no peace. We are due no happiness. It is all because Christ has brought this kingdom by bringing salvation. This is the kingdom that Jesus brings. And this kingdom is ours through him. So as you're remembering the kingdom, remember the king who made you citizens of a homeland that shouldn't have been yours, who has brought you peace and happiness and salvation who is righteous and just and upright when we are not those things or were not those things. So, Father, we pray today, our Father in heaven, we pray that your kingdom would come. And I pray that today we understand just a little bit more about your kingdom so that we understand that we were already praying it even when we didn't understand it. Even, though, even when we didn't know why exactly you wanted your kingdom to come, we may not have known how great it is. We may not we may have all these other ideas about what your kingdom would be. But now you've shown us in your word. This is what's great about the kingdom of our God. And I pray, Father, that as your kingdom has come in our lives, that people would see the peace and the happiness and the salvation that has come with your kingdom. And I pray that they would see us declaring your righteousness your justice, your uprightness, that they would see us mirroring it in our lives as we live as citizens of this kingdom, bringing glory to you for what you have made us through Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.